Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. After party potters, after partiers, hey, it's Anna David. How are you? I know that I am well, if a bit tired. And um, I'm, I thank you for asking, actually, because I was beginning to feel like you didn't care. I'm so glad you do. Are you tired? Yeah, we're both a little tired. That's why we have this podcast, right? To make us forget that we're tired, to re-energize us in a way. You know, whether we're um, calmly sitting or (laughs) briskly walking or rapidly running, or maybe we're stuck in traffic. Um, Anyway, hey, so this week, this day, my guest is none other than Mackenzie Phillips. Yes, you know her from One Day at a Time. You know her from being in American Graffiti. You know her, she was on Celebrity Rehab, and she is a sheer and utter delight. Now, I will say I knew her, well, I was obsessed with One Day at a Time when I was little. I think that's the show where I started to, do you guys do this? Only answer if you do. Um, Where I, I, I sort of, not thought I was on it, but it's like when I started to sort of think of my life as like a TV show and this is kind of weird slash sad and um and sort of I remember you know my mom there's like this decorator at my house and my mom was talking to her about my bedroom and I was sort of imagining opening credits playing and and that that would be the you know the opening I was really obsessed with that show Benson too so it might have been that show I was thinking about but anyway I, I I've I've totally distracted us really from the topic at hand, Mackenzie Phillips. And um, she is now a recovery advocate for Pasadena Recovery Center. And um, and she is an amazing woman. She grew up, her dad uh, was John Phillips, the singer from the Mamas and the Papas. And um, so her sister, her uh, she's the ha- her half-sisters are Bijou Phillips and China Phillips. China Phillips was in Wilson Phillips. It's a lot of Phillipses. Uh, she was raised um, in L.A. and then she was cast in the in American Graffiti, and then she so she was thirteen when that happened. Then she got on One Day at a Time. She was making tons of money. She was a teenager. She was a kid, and um, her addiction was developing. It developed, and she was ultimately fired from that show. Um, she went into treatment and was sober 
a long time. Um, and then she relapsed and it got even darker and she is now back and sober and, um, a really amazing story of recovery. She published a book called high on arrival, which was a major crazy bestseller hit. And, um, in it, she talked about having a consensual sexual relationship with her dad and the headlines went crazy. And so that might be what you know about her. Please read that book. It's it's literally, you cannot put it down physically. If you try, it will pop back up into your hands, which is, which is a weird thing you should probably experience. And, um, anyway, we talked about all of that, her family's reaction to that, which was not positive. And, um, and, and, but she is positive. She's a super positive person. And, um, I really enjoy talking to her. I really think she, uh, is a great model for telling the truth, no matter what it's going to do, no matter what it's going to cost you, and and persevering. Um, so, with that, I give you Mackenzie Phillips. Um, I'm actually going to the twelve step store when I leave here today to get. I just got a new car, uh, and I have get a bumper to, sticker. I have to get my sticker. This triangle and circle. Oh, my God. I have to. Do, do you know what I remember hearing when I was new in sobriety? Somebody said that they keep that sticker on their car so that they will actually behave like a good driver. <laughs> because That's great. Yeah, because otherwise they're giving a bad example of what sobriety of what is. what the program is. Yeah. yeah that's great. Yeah. I love it. See, I thought I read that you were not into the program, that you were sober but not into the program. Oh. Is that not true? That's not true at all. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. I have my big book in my car. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I could not put your book down. Now, people say that, but like, I really mean it about yours. I mean... Thank you. Oh my God. Um, what what a story. So, right? you know, and so and so kind of surreal for me. I'm going to do the double record like we discussed. Yeah, just let's. To be totally just safe, for safety. Right? Yeah. Um, you can never be too safe. Um... You know, this is good coffee. It is bizarrely good. It's really good coffee. Why do you think I have this office? I mean, it's perfect. I know. What a fun thing to do. I know. But so you know, um, of course, you know, I've I've known. I you know, I I loved one day at a time. I grew up in Marin County, so American even, graffiti. Even though, like, I didn't really understand American graffiti. Mm-hmm. Like, I was too young. But like, you know, and so and then and then, of course, I I watched Celebrity Rehab religiously. Yeah. And, um, and then read your book. So, so I know, I know a lot. You know a lot. That's good. Yeah, it is good. I, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's frustrating. I know with books when you show up and the person has clearly not read your book. It is a little frustrating. And you can always tell. I've done interviews with people where they're like, so what's your book about? Yeah. You're like, okay, (laughs) yours. I mean, honestly, all you had to do, like do a Google search. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but so so, but, but the interesting thing is that if you do a Google search on High on Arrival, the first hits are about incest, not about the triumphant recovery from addiction and alcoholism. 100%. Yeah. I mean, but that is the society. I was we very live in. naive. I didn't expect the insane 
backlash. Uh, but it was backlash from your family, right? Not from there was there. Outside. Well, I remember watching. I think I don't know if it was ET or Inside Edition or whatever it was, but they had on a body language expert to review a couple of my interviews to see if I was telling the truth. Oh my god! Well, first of all, a yeah. body language expert like that is a made up career. Yeah, that's insane. Did you ever watch that show? Lie to me. It was a, oh, oh, the Tim Roth show? Yes. I never saw it, but I remember I it. loved that show. They would watch videos of people who were like testifying or who they had interviewed about a crime and they could, you know, they'd pause like on the pursing of the lips and, and say, well, you know, that indicates this. And I wonder if that's a real science. Um, I have seen body language experts on television. <laughs> she and, just did air quotes, by the way. And, and I have said to myself... <laughs> Why didn't I come up with that scam? Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, but it also, it absolutely kills me when, um, when I see that kind of thing as if anybody would make up something like that. Yeah. It's you know? not actually a resume builder. Yeah. Know? But it's just, and, and I, and I can see it so clearly and I know I don't know your family, but I could see that. I could, you know, you can sort of, if you've grown up around denial, you can see when someone is having a reaction that's just sort of like, I can't look at this, I can't look at this, so I'm going to say and do whatever I can to push it away. Exactly. And it's painful to see that. My family's reaction was absolutely textbook. Yeah. I mean, so many, I got so many letter, cards and letters, Facebook, private messages from, you know, the public. Yeah, yeah. Who said, you know, exactly what you're saying. I mean, and it's interesting because if they wanted to make it believable that they thought I was lying, then they reacted in the wrong way. They certainly did. (laughs) You know. Bless their hearts, you know. Yeah, well, I'm glad you have that reaction. I actually have have a similar-ish thing, which is that um, I, I grew up in an abusive family, realized it around the age of 18, Immediately discussed it with my family, you know, and my mom said, with my dad, not my mom, Mm -hmm. and my, um, the abuse was from my dad. My my mom sent my dad to the False Memory Foundation. Ever heard of that place? No. Yeah, it's a place where parents go if they have been, quote, falsely accused by their kids, and they get together and they sort of talk about this crazy thing, as if any children are making this, adults making it, I mean, it is so tragic. That is shocking. Shocking. So and it's like a recovery group for people who've been falsely accused. It's a denial group for people yeah. who have abused and don't want to face it. And they have like conventions, I guess, and all of this stuff. And it was crazy because it was the same. Like everyone's like, oh no, we saw what you're talking about. Like, yeah, that totally happened. But at the same time, it didn't happen at all. And that's why we're going to the False Memory Foundation. You know, it's crazy. Anyway, it, it's deeply painful. It's, it's deeply, deeply painful. painful. But isn't it interesting resilience that theory of resilience yeah to be able to retain your spirit and your love and your childlike wonder and all those beautiful things that yeah you know yeah I mean it's just it's so societal I I wish so much that people could actually talk about what's going on so that they wouldn't have to be so shocked by any of it by any political scandal by you know right if we actually talked about what was really going on I don't think we'd have as much addiction I agree and that's, that's, you know, people say, well, if you could do the, the book over, what would you do differently? And there are a few small things that I would do differently, but across the board, I wouldn't change anything because I opened up a national conversation, yeah. a dialogue about the last taboo yeah. and that people started talking about it and other people would put up their hand and go, me too. Right. Me too. Right. You know, it was kind of freeing. 
And so, you know, as the result of that, if I ended up with my family of choice instead of my family of origin, so be it. Right. You know, right. I, I know who I am. I know what happened. I know what I stand for. And so if I'm going to be shunned because, you know, there's a quote that says, speak the truth, even if your voice shakes. Hmm. And so if I'm going to be shunned for being truthful and honest and trying to be of service, that's okay. It's okay. But not everybody in your family no. has reacted that way. No. I mean, I, and you know what? I have a deep love for my family. Right. And I understand their reaction. And I understand that everything was very public. And I understand that that's very painful. Um, but I will always meet their judgment and distance with love and open arms. Always, always, always. Was that your immediate reaction? Absolutely. I was hurt. I was right. furious. Right. I was shocked. Yeah. I was naive. Right. But I absolutely adore my family. And I can love them from afar. Right. You know? Right. But, and there was, a, there was a time where I would wake up every day and I would think, what can I do today to make them love me again? Hmm. And I've let that go because I know they love me. They just have to do it from a distance. Right. You know, and so it just happens to be, you know, it's the isness of it. You know, we talk about the what is, right. the isness of some, that's just the isness of it. And right. so I have to, I had to find a way to stop trying to change them and this is what we talk about. That's just a very mature reaction. I mean, t like that's the opposite of an alcoholic reaction. <laughs> you know, it really yeah, is. Yeah. Um, but let's, first of all, any listener who has not read this book, obviously just read this book. Like, what are you, what are you doing? What Actually, are you stop listening to this podcast and go get <laughs> love the book. It. And then come back and listen to the yeah. rest of it. Pause, but, go to your Kindle. Yeah. It's probably like $9 on Kindle. Probably by now, yeah. Yeah. So, so there's no excuse. Um, and, and it's an amazing story of addiction because, you know, you started young, mm -hmm. you were sober. Let's walk through it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, what, how, how old were you when the first time that you used? drank or used? Yeah. I think the first time, well, my brother, my mom has a lot of sobriety now. Right. Yeah. But when I, when my brother and I were young, she was the cocktail lady, you know. She worked at the Pentagon. She was McNamara's personal secretary at the Pentagon. She was, you know, dripping in pearls and red lipstick and a cigarette and a cocktail in her hand. Right. And, and then we moved to L.A. in 1966, and she became like this, you know, braids and go-go boots, you know, fringe kind of hippie. And, but still, there was always a cigarette and a cocktail. And so my mom would have these cocktail parties, and my, my brother Jeffrey and I would go around... And this is a story we hear all the time. You know, the make the, the drinks, and make finish the drinks them. and finish them. Yeah. And so I don't really remember the first time right. I drank. I do remember the first time I did cocaine. I was like eleven. Right. And that was was that with your dad? No, no. He <laughs> he and my stepmother Genevieve. We were living at the Chateau Marmont in the penthouse. Crazy stuff. Right. And um, there was a bowl of white powder on the coffee table. My brother Jeffrey and I, I was 11 and he was probably 12 and a half. And my dad and my stepmom kept putting this powder in their noses. And then they went to take a nap. Now I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. You know, who does a napping. bunch yeah. of blow and yeah. to go take a nap. And they put the bowl underneath the TV cabinet, you know, the drawer, the cabinet. Right. And my brother goes, let's try it. And I'm like, no. And he goes, yeah, let's try it. So we tried it. And I kind of went, well, that, I don't really 
you didn't feel, feel anything. Right. And then we did some more, and you felt it. then I became the drug thief. You know, my stepmother Genevieve would say, oh, when I'd come to visit for the weekend after stealing tie sticks the week, weekend before, right. she'd go, here comes the little drug thief. Yeah, and it's just... And this was before I started acting or any of that stuff. Right. You know. So you were, and so you were doing it and then like going to school. I brought it to school. Yeah. 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 And, and clear and, and no, so, so though it was like, they knew there was just because there was no like parental responsibility. It wasn't like. I mean, it was the seventies. Yeah. Different times. And I went to school at Highland Hall, which was a Waldorf school. Right. Which, you know, I love Waldorf education. My son graduated from the same school that I went to, but in the seventies, you know, we were smoking weed in the bathroom and. Right. And nobody was upset about it. Well, nobody really. I don't know. Maybe they, I guess they knew. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. when Shane went to Highland Hall, it was a completely different yeah. environment and it's a great school and I still support that school. And yeah. I don't mean to say anything bad about Waldorf education yeah. or Highland Hall. We right. were just wild kids. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a different era, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but yeah, I mean, my mom was very, you know, even though she had the cocktails and all that kind of stuff, my mom was very... You know, know which fork to use, never wear white after Labor Day, cross your legs at the ankles, sit up straight, you know, and very, very strict. And then we'd go to my dad's house on the weekend and it was just a free for all. Right. And so it was kind of a double life from the beginning. Right. The rules were different here than they were there. And, you know, I learned to roll joints for my dad when I was 10. Right. I wanted to do something. I'm like, you know, you guys are all just sitting around looking weird. Right. Give me a job. Can we plant flowers? Can we go look for shells on the beach? Can we go to the store? And he's like, I have a job for you. And I was like, oh my God, a job. And he taught me how to clean the weed and roll the joints. And, you know, I became the joint roller. Right. For a bunch of stoned adults. Right. But it's, you know, and... I certainly believe in a genetic predisposition to addiction and alcoholism, but I don't blame <clears throat> my family right. for it. You know, I mean, we're it, as much as we're products of our environment, uh, they certainly were complicit in that. Yeah. You know, but who, we didn't, it was just a different time. And they were, they were a bunch of crazy grown-up children rock stars running around trying to raise children raising children yeah yeah it's true i mean i sort of feel like um you know addiction freezes you at whatever age you start using but so does fame so if you get the double way wow don't you think yeah so you are talking about like you know 12 i'm prepubescent at 54 (laughs) (laughs) but then recovery i think that's like double time or something that you get it you know but um but i know you know i got sober 13 years ago and i still feel the pains of having not learned lessons early in life when Mm -hmm. i was supposed to because i was you know even when i wasn't doing drugs and alcohol to escape i had defend i had protective measures in my head about how to not have to deal with pain and rejection you know because it just all felt like too much it's like scarlett o'hara i'll think about it tomorrow yeah where she always says oh i'll think about it tomorrow yeah exactly yeah but but recovery, you know, and you know what we do in recovery in order to live happily and usefully whole, um, causes us, forces us, forces if you us, will, yeah, to uh, 
grow up but still retain the fun. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting because I feel like it, it forces you and then you're sober a while and then you forget about it and you're like, well, I'm good, I don't have... And then something, some horrible life lesson creeps up on you and then you have the, like, the tools of the program to then deal with that and not just have pain but actually learn something. Right, and or you could be like me and, and after 10 years, the you-know-what hits the fan and... You know, we always talk about, you know, what's between you and the, that first drink. And yeah. if those barriers and, you know, tools aren't in place, you will pick up. And I did. Yeah. Well, okay. And so, so, so the using was crazy and fun in the, in the beginning. Oh yeah. But then, it's, then you lose the choice. But for you, it sounded in reading the book, it sounded like that was a good time. I was living the life. Yeah, and then you become, and then you 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 star in this hit movie. You you know you get on the TV show. I mean, it sort of must have felt like okay, this is what life is supposed to be like—just one good time, right? And then what happened? Well, then you know the power of choice. Yeah, goes and and you know we always talk about how you know well I loved it and then I hated it but I couldn't not do it yeah because I didn't know how to just be yeah without some sort of you know buffer between me and my thoughts my feelings and my life yeah and I think any addict or alcoholic in recovery would identify with that yeah that the power of choice is gone I you know I felt like my car would just drive me to the dealer right you know I'd be driving down the street and I'd be like not gonna turn not gonna turn not gonna turn click the blinkers on I'm turning right right, and there I was and I'm not gonna do it I promised my husband right I'm not gonna do it I'm not gonna do it and I would do it right and, you know, and that's just the way it is for us. You know, you don't know there's another way to live until the moment you know there's another way to live. Yeah. And that yeah. you can actually be comfortable in your own body right. without it. And so, you know, um, a lot of different things contributed to that relapse, you know. But but in terms of the first sobriety, so so I'm, we're going to do like chronological. I kind of yeah. want to get there. Yeah. Okay. So so um, and so, what got you sober the first time? That amazing moment of clarity. That amazing moment of I am going to die. Mm-hmm. I do not see anything coming but more of the same. And where were you when this? Happened? I was living in a farmhouse in. Uh, Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania, and mm-hmm. my son was four. And <clears throat> when 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 my son was born, my his father, amazing man, I would have left me. He didn't leave me. Right. And we're still best friends. Uh, he's a great great man. Um, he said, you know, we're we're parents now, and you know, I think we should change our lifestyle and stop doing this. And I went, yeah, sure. And I kept doing it, even though I didn't know how to not do it anymore. Right, and he right. was able to. He's not an alcoholic. Yeah, he's so not he an addict. Stop. You yeah. know, I mean, the, the man can have a glass of wine, a glass of wine with right. dinner. Right. You know, and I couldn't stop. And so, um, what was your question? <laughs> and so, the, so the moment when you saw oh, that there was a different. Well, I mean, he was. You know, had changed. His operating system, and I couldn't, and right. I didn't, and right. I was See, on the I was on the road with the mamas and the papas, touring all over the world, and taking Shane, the baby, with me, like to Norway and all these crazy places, and 
I got home from a particularly intense, I think we went to Greece Mm -hmm. for New Year's Eve and I got home and it was uglier than ugly. It, It was just really, really bad. And I woke up one morning and I thought, this is it. This is it. I cannot do this anymore. This beautiful child was looking at me, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I remember <clears throat> I would, the night before, I would make his breakfast and cover it with cling wrap and put it at the foot of the bed so that... You didn't have to get up. I didn't have to get up. And, you know, I'm still making amends for that probably, you know, 27 years later or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. probably should stop helicopter parenting. But anyway, yeah. um, I just picked up the phone in that moment and made a phone call. And, you know, in true alcoholic fashion I had to be in detox by sundown right. I want it I'm going to do it and if I don't if I don't do it today it might not happen and that was true yeah yeah, yeah. and so I went into detox and spent nine months at Alina Lodge in Blairstown New Jersey mm-hmm. which was still there yeah yeah um, and it was like you know 12 um, step boot camp yeah there was nothing to defocus on but yourself right there was nothing to defocus on you know, there were, it's only program approved literature, you know. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That's a uh, long time oh, yeah. to do that. No phones. Yeah, and no. that was like, we weren't all addicted to smartphones back then anyway. Yeah, but you couldn't even use the landline. Right, right, no, right. I mean, There's like a pay phone that you all share. No. There Not was no, even that. No, 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 okay. no, no. If you made a phone call, it was from your counselor's office. Right, right, right. And it was with, you know, five levels of you know, people listening, people, no people giving you the approval to make the phone. Right. Right. Anyway, I stayed there for nine months. I came out and you know, I was afraid of everything. I was afraid of everything. You know, I was afraid of uh, sober sex with my husband. I was afraid of driving a car. I was afraid of Advil, you know, I, I was absolutely entrenched in 12 step ideology. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that right. because it was saving my life and I stayed clean and sober for 10 years. Right. And you, and you got unafraid of driving and oh, sober yeah. sex and Oh all yeah. I had things. just had to relearn yeah. how to do it. everything. Yeah. Because I had been wrapped in cotton wool and put in like, yeah. you know, a, a shoe box. Like if you find a bird with a broken wing, right. Right. you know, you keep it warm and you put it in a place where it can't hurt itself and, yeah. you know. And I had been just, you know, people were running things for me. And I finally decided that, you know, I mean, I was a 32-year-old woman. And so, you know, I just threw my heart and soul into practicing the principles. Right. And I lived happily and usefully whole for a long, long time that way. But if addiction is a cancer, maybe, or a tumor, or that had been excised, uh, I missed something. There was something I missed. There was something missing in in my program and were you aware of that were you not doing it I got to the point where I got very complacent yeah and you know it's very I don't know if pedestalized is a word yeah it should be it should be you you can get people can put you on a pedestal in the program and yeah especially celebrities yeah I mean you know even 
you know, program celebrities. To- and they're, they're, they they're, exist. They exist. They're very we real. We know who they are. We yeah. won't say their names. Yeah, but it's a weird, weird phenomenon because it, it's sort of like you step outside of this room and, you know, that power diminishes. Dude's a truck driver. Yeah, you know? yeah. But so you were doing, were you doing program here in L.A.? You yes. moved from the Poconos. Back, you're in back, L.A. Yeah. You're doing the whole thing. Every You know, program here is real fun. Everybody's, you know, Sponsoring laughing. everything. Yeah. And then, and then my, you know, I sort of... I got into, uh, I, I'll just be honest. Yeah, uh, why not? I had a, a, a breast implant surgery. Oh, okay. And I, I've since had them removed because I had a terrible reaction and it was a whole nightmare. I hear those stories. Okay. Yeah. But uh, pain, pain, pain pills. pills, pain medication. Wow. Which then set in place some sort of mental switch yeah. went off where... Uh, I became in chronic pain. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's we, hyperalgesia, I think yeah. it's called, where, where um, addicts can get uh, in a pain syndrome yeah. where the brain justifies, the taking creates the pain yeah. in order to justify taking the medication. And so I took the medication as prescribed. prescribed. What was it? Norco. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, yeah. And so then uh, over time, if one every four hours was good, Two would be great. And then, you know, uh, the progression was kind of slow. And I always had believed that if I relapsed, my progression would be A to Z in an hour. Right. For me, it was more painful. <laughs> yeah. God has a plan. If, if only it had been A to Z in an exactly. hour. You exactly. Know? But it got to the point where if uh, uh, two every four hours was good, then a handful of 30 at 8 o'clock uh-huh. in the morning was fucking... Oh, forgive, forgive you me. You can okay. swear. Okay. Please swear. So wait a minute. So how um, how long did it take you to get to that point? Um, you know, it's very hazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah. But I mean, and then... and the, So it was manageable for a while. Yeah. And then it wasn't. And yeah. then I didn't care that and, it wasn't manageable. Right. And right. then then my, my... I was driving on Santa Monica Boulevard. I'll never forget the moment. And uh, I had a cell phone, so it was, you know, later. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Later on in time. I was out for a good long time, you know. And um, my phone rang, and it was my dad's business manager saying, you know, your father's being driven from Palm Springs to UCLA Medical Center. He'll be in ICU. Can you call the family? Because I was like the matriarch. Yeah. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Right. Um, and so I called everybody and we all, you know, went to the hospital and that, and, um, he died seven weeks later and, um, there was forgiveness and there was a conversation one-sided mind you, but right. still there was a conversation while he was ill and, um, you know, I held the man's hand as he died right. and I honestly thought, cause I knew he was going to die he was dying. Yeah. And I honestly thought that I would be free. Right. After this man passed on, but I was wrong. Yeah. I kept looking for answers to the questions that I had that I would wanted to ask him after he had died. And I, I, you know, cried and I cried and I cried and I cried and, uh, and it took me a long time to realize that I didn't need him to answer those questions, that I already had the answers. What were the questions? Why. Right. Why. And why. Right. You know, and 
what the fuck were you thinking? Right. And, you know, you, you can fill in the blanks for yeah. yourself, you know? Yeah. And uh, I never thought that I would end up ever with a needle in my arm ever again. Yeah. Never in a million years. But that's what happened. Right. You know? And it took a long time. But it became uglier than ugly again. Yeah. And in 2008, August of 2008, I was going to... <laughs> good Lord. I was going to New York to do a one-day-at-a-time yeah. reunion on the Rachel Ray Show. Yeah. And I was arrested for felony possession at LAX. And you in no way thought that would happen? Or you were you worried when you flew with Look, drugs? Th- th- I had flown with drugs so many, yeah. many, 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 many times that I had become very confident. confident. Yeah. And what I didn't think of, and thank God that I didn't think of this, because getting arrested saved my life. Yeah. I was wearing a pair of pants that I hadn't worn in a decade. They were really cool. Yeah. And they were like those, you know, cargo pants... It was, it was, you know, a long time ago. Cargo pants were cool. <laughs> they were a big thing. And they had like a dragon embroidered on the oh, legs. Oh, yeah, yeah. You remember kind of, no. I feel like they were joie. Or yeah, something, something like, like that. Yeah. 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 They had like the cool tag. Yeah. They had like stamp on. Yeah. They were very expensive, really nice yeah. pants. And I didn't remember, I didn't think about the fact that there was a metal buckle on the cargo pocket. Wow. And in that cargo pocket were three balls of tar heroin and three and a half grams of powder cocaine. And in my purse were 50 syringes. Mm. Yeah. Traveling light. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just going to New York for 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. And um, talk about pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. And how secret was this? Who, who Did people in your life know? Oh, I kept everyone away. Yeah. You know, and I was living in my house. Yeah. And the drug dealers were living in my house. Yeah. And, you know, the house was locked and there were cameras at the front door and... Yeah. You know, and... Uh, it was, it's very difficult to reconcile that woman that day with this woman this day. You know what that's yeah. like, right? And, um, you know, I have since profusely thanked the airport police and the LAPD for saving my life. What was going on in your head while it was happening? I am somebody's mother. I'm somebody's mother. Shane, Shane, Shane. Right. What right. am I going to do? What am I going to do? Right. Yeah. I cried. I just cried. Yeah. And, um, it was really scary. I was really scared because I always thought, oh, well, you know, at least I never got involved in the system. I would think about people like Robert Downey Jr. Right. You know, who'd been arrested time after time after time. And, you know, I just, you know, talk about the, uh, well, I've never. Yeah. Yeah. Just careful what you think about because you can manifest it. Yeah. And I, you know. There I was in the back of a police car in handcuffs. Right. And all I could think was, I'm somebody's mother. That's what I said to the cops. I said, you don't understand. I'm somebody's mother. And Shane they were like, yeah. Yeah, we know. <laughs> we you know, know who you are. Yeah. And, and then how long after that did the sort of moment of clarity come again? Or was there no moment? Oh, I went to like, rehab the next day. Yeah. 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 So you went to treatment here in California? Mm, no. Okay. No. I, I went... Saying- to Narconon. What? I didn't know that. In Louisiana. Okay. Riverbend. Okay. Yeah. Why there? Uh, I can't really talk about okay. that. Okay. Okay. I'm not a I'm not a Scientologist. Okay. But I have family members who are. Oh, okay. And I mean, it's not a dirty secret or anything. Okay. I mean, some might consider it that. But, yeah. You know, yeah, my, yeah. 
My sister Bijou and her husband Danny Masterson are Scientologists. I didn't know she was married to him. Okay, yeah. okay. And that's where I went. Yeah. And I stayed there for four months. Okay. And I loved it. I mean, it's very different from traditional 12-step oriented rehabs. Very, very, very different. Can you but talk I, about how it's different? Um, I can. I mean, yeah. I mean, I learned a lot about communication. You, sp- you spend eight hours a day in a course room studying uh, material. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. It yeah. was very interesting and very eye-opening, and it was a beautiful experience. Yeah. I, I really loved it. And you, and you got and stayed sober. Yes. And... I loved it. I mean, I loved it. Yeah. You know? Then you came back to L.A. Yeah. And... And um, while I was there, I was doing the book deal. Oh, okay. Because okay. I had talked to Simon and & Schuster and all this kind of stuff, and the weekend that I was... the When I was traveling to New York... I was supposed to come back on the Monday and meet with a writer. Had you told them you were sober? Did no. I, nobody asked? Nobody asked. It was just a book deal. It was like just about yeah. your life, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and and so then they they wanted it more probably after the arrest. Yeah. You know. Oh, of course. That's how the you know the industry. And works. my deal was signed like four days before Black Friday in the publishing world, where everything changed. Yeah. And yeah. so I got in just under the wire with a really good book deal. Yeah. But apparently it was that week. It's horrible. Because yeah, I, I started, um, my first book came out in 2005 and it all, and then Judith Regan, was Judith Regan part of Black Friday? Because she, she was my publisher. And then like, it all, yeah, it every, all fell apart. It all fell it apart. apart. But your book sold like crazy. It did sell It was very, a, Was it a number one New York Times bestseller? Uh, it debuted at number three. Right. Right. And, uh, and it stayed there, it right? It stayed on the list, but you know, it came out the same week one of Glenn Beck's books came out. It came out the same week as The Help oh. came out. But I I feel like but it stayed, I have heard... It stayed it, on the list uh, for yeah, a good time. It sold well. It sold like the, it, that advance they paid you paid off for Simon & Schuster. Yeah, it definitely paid off for Simon & Schuster. Yeah. They have been nothing... I'm still friends with the VP of public relations there. Right. And, I mean, those people were amazing. Yeah, yeah. I and did my, a book my, with them. You did. I did Tom Sizemore's book. Oh my gosh! Yeah. My b- book agent Dan Strone at Trident Media. I know Dan. I love Dan. He was terrific. Um. Th- yeah. I um. I, he was going to be my very first agent, Dan Strone. Uh huh. But yeah, and he he does a very good job selling yeah. books. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Okay. Anyway, so it was it was a crazy. You know, I mean, I have people come up to me and they go, oh my God, you poor thing. I've been praying for you for 30 years, your life. It must be so awful. And I don't look at my life that way. Right. Although I've had, you know, really turbulent times and really triumphant times and ups and downs and all that kind of, I've lived a life of incredible abundance yeah. and joy and beauty. Yeah. But you know, I think it's not about what happens in your life. It's how you react to the things 100%. that happen in your life. 100%. Because if I were to focus on the negatives yeah. that have occurred in my life, I would be a puddle on your floor in your in your studio right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I so that's part of what I'm hoping that people will get is yeah. that it's a choice. It's it a choice. It is a choice, and it's it's a hard choice to make. I don't know about you, but I do feel like my alcoholism or whatever um, does have me, you know, with. I'm like the most optimistic pessimist or the most pessimistic optimist. You know what I mean? It's like, like I, it is, it is hinged towards the dark and it is work. 
Yeah. It doesn't come naturally. I mean, I think there are people... It does for me. That's awesome. It does. I wake I, up every morning and I'm like, oh my gosh. That is amazing. And my dogs are there and I'm smiling and, you know, and I, well, I used to wake up frowning and I'd have to unknit my brow, mm. you know, and, and fight the urge to pull the covers over when my head. When you were using. Yeah. And when I was unhappy. Right. You know, but now I feel like there's just this golden purpose. Yeah. I don't know, you know, I mean, I just feel very uh, present in the moment. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, what time is it? Oh, hey, it's now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. People say to me, well, you know, what is your five-year plan? I'm like, Yeah, I what's don't know. my plan this afternoon? Yeah, what's my plan to get downstairs and put more money in the meter in a few minutes, you know? It's yeah. like... And, um, and, so, and so then, um, then you... So, so, okay, so you're... Well, oh, we skipped over because this was your first... No, second sobriety, then you play a drug counselor. Your first job back on TV is playing a drug counselor. That on, was back in the 90s. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. That yeah. was the first sobriety. On a... Uh, on a... Uh, uh, 90210. 90210. I remember it so well. Yeah. I, I played so an intervention counselor twice. What else? Once on Guiding Light. Okay. Uh, when I was doing Grease on Broadway in New York, I was playing Rizzo, which was, was so much fun. Amazing. Uh, I ended up booking a five-day job on Guiding Light to play an intervention counselor. And then uh, this was after playing Dylan's intervention counselor yes. on 90210. That was a trip, man. Yeah. That was a trip. So many personalities and <laughs> yeah. on that set, man. Yeah. It was like who, you know, this one will come to set first. Don't call this one to set until this one is here. It was very interesting. Yeah. It was fun though. Well, talk about fame freezing your, you know, emotional yeah. maturity. And- I took a I took a, a test on Facebook yesterday. What's your mental age? Uh-huh. 22, apparently. I'm 22. That's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad, I think right? I might be younger, you know? A couple I of my friends were like 14. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, and, so, and so then, um, celebrity rehab, how did that come to be? <clears throat> you know, uh, a couple years previous, when I was still wild in the streets, there had, I got a call from celebrity rehab. And I was like, are they insane? Those people are nuts. Mm-hmm. How so, It had been on for two seasons or something? Something like that. Yeah. I actually had an idea in the 90s. I wanted to do a show called Let's All Go to Rehab. But I thought I thought that uh, it would break the tradition. Right, you could never. And so I never wanted to, you know, yeah. slap my life-saving program in the face by breaking tradition. So I never, it was just like a funny idea that I had. And then there it was, a reality. Um, But when they first approached me, I was like, yeah, right. Who does that? Yeah. And then after the arrest and all that kind of stuff, and I was nine months clean when I went on celebrity rehab, um, I, uh, I had a crush on Drew Pinsky. People do. I just wanted to meet Drew Pinsky. Yeah. And I wasn't, when you're using and drinking, it's, I, I couldn't watch Celebrity Rehab. I, oh, it freaked me out. It Although, freaked me I out. I loved reading addiction books when I was high. Oh, me too. I mean, The Heroin Diaries, Nikki Six's book. Oh, the one oh my I God. I think my copy has like blood stains yeah. on it from shooting up while reading it. And you'd think, that, that's like basically reading a horror story. It is a horror story. And you yeah. just, and I, lo- I loved doing Scar it. Scar Tissue, uh, uh, oh, that's uh, Anthony Kiedis's book. book. That's a great oh, book. Oh my God. There was this book called Heroin from A to Z. I, did, I only did heroin once. I snorted it. I love. <laughs> did you vomit immediately? Book. No. 
Good so, thing you didn't do it anymore. I know. Good thing I was never around someone else who had it because I had the greatest time ever. Yeah. I yeah. got sober six months later. So it was, yeah. just, it was just like a lucky break. One of those like, things. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, so, was, so I just had this thing that I wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. Because I'd been through so much and I kind of felt like I could be of service. Yeah. There. Yeah. And so it was kind of scary and freaky because I'd never done any reality television where you have no private moments unless you're in the bathroom. Right. You know, and there were cameras everywhere and people following you everywhere and it was very freaky and I didn't know what to expect. Right. Um, and when I got there, everyone was detoxing pretty much. Right. And I was already clean. Right. So I was just kind of sitting there going, when is this going to start? You right. Know? Right. And I'd hang out with Shelly and Loisha, the, the right. you know, Tex. Because, you know, there I was. And I remember going in there with my suitcase and they're searching through your stuff like what they always do yeah. in, in rehab. And I'm like, dude, I'm nine months clean. You're not going to find anything. Right. And I remember Shelly kind of looking at me going, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. And I love her by the way. And, um, you know, obviously there was nothing in my suitcase. So yeah. That, you know, it's like passing a piss test. Right. Right. You know, right. When you're clean. It's yeah. like, I knew I was going to pass it, but now that I pass it, I'm very excited. I was kind of proud of myself that there was nothing in my suitcase, even though I knew there was nothing in my suitcase. Well, that's like every time I see a a sign that says, don't shoplift, I'm like, I feel like I've shoplifted. Like, you just feel guilty (laughs) because it's a possibility or something. It could happen. Yeah. Because, yeah, I I have criminal thoughts. Yeah. I do. I have criminal thoughts. I don't know if it's because if you have done that thing before, so the residual guilt or shame is still in you or something like that. I don't know. We all, I think every human being has thoughts like, I'm going to... I could punch that person in the face. <laughs> and what separates us from like child abusers or, you know, us people who assault other people is impulse control. Yeah. And yeah. and a kind tolerant nature. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting because like if I stand at the top of a long winding staircase and look down, my first thought is what would it be like to jump? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's okay. not no. How I I feel like is our I am worried about your time. Like, I didn't set the timer, did you? Oh my god! I think I thought you were setting the timer. Oh, I you picked okay. Okay, okay uh, it's stop. only eleven forty-one. Oh my god, we're perfect. Okay, okay we'll be back. back. We're so back. My you meter see? is fed. Ah, uh, that hungry meter. I know. I often think about the words used in our program, mm. and you know, it says with all the earnestness yeah. at our command, we beg of you. Yeah. Be, be, these are these are really I, I, intense, intense words. words. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyway. So I was curious about, you know, because I have many thoughts on this, on the tradition, um, in terms of, you know, you had said before, oh, you can't break the tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I decided personally, you know, I'm careful, but I read and hear so many horrible things said about the program, which cannot defend itself because it's right. anonymous. And so I made a decision at a certain point that I'm not, I'm not going to be like betraying, you know, confidences of the program. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to give people in so much information that they can judge it mm-hmm. right. partially. But, but they judge because of the lack of information. I know. That yeah. is so true. So Have you heard about that, that uh, uh, documentary, The Anonymous People? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen I it either. I want to see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that what whatever can be done in whatever little ways um, 
can, can just help make it not, you know, because it's like we were sort of talking about Scientology before. It's like, it's like it becomes just south of that yeah. to certain people yeah. because they don't understand it. Yes. You know, and they confuse the lack of information with some sort of some sort of esoteric or, or like secrecy. Yeah, that, that's like, you know shame based or something like that. Anyway, you know what I would say to anyone who's interested to learn more who isn't an alcoholic or an addict, go to an open meeting. Yeah, there's open meetings. Everyone is welcome. Yeah, and find out what's really going on in those rooms. Yeah. Well, the problem, of course, with that is, I, I mean, I went years before I was ready, and like you know, shares that I would hear today and think were beautiful and amazing, I just judged the hell out of yeah. because I was so threatened by what they were saying. But I mean, but, I was an addict. Right, you were an addict. addict. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. And I was just like, these people, they're losers. And like, and, and everyone was like so nice and giving me their number. And even that, I was like, well, they're, they're obviously, moonies. they're desperate for friends. Right. What <laughs> like, what is this weird desperation? People in LA are, are like not friendly, you know, right. even though I totally think they are. Um, I totally think they are too. Yeah. I know why because I've lived in New York too, where it's nobody just not smiles like at that. you on the street in New York. Yeah, nobody, and 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 it just honestly, I'm too sensitive to live there. It hurts. Um, <laughs> so okay, and so so Pasadena Recovery Center. I am the treatment and recovery advocate That's for awesome. Pasadena Recovery Center, and I run groups with the residential and outpatient clients um, twice a week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I come here and talk about recovery as the treatment and recovery advocate for Pasadena Recovery Center. Yeah. And, um, and what, do you, what do you think is great about PRC? I think the dedication of the staff. Right. You know, there's amazing counselors. And, like, Shelly is a counselor. Shelly Sprague is a counselor. Mm-hmm. And we have great counselors. I mean, I'm in the staff meeting every Monday morning um, going over caseload and talking about, you know, what's going on in the center and... There's just, it's a really comprehensive, um, affordable yeah, it is. It is. program affordable. that takes yeah. insurance, yeah. you know, and it, it's a, it's just a great, a great place, you know, and I, I really, you know, I don't know what it is about working with, well, yes, I do. It helps me working with others helps me. Yeah. And it helps them. Yeah. And so when I go in and, you know, I say to the clients, I say, you know what? You're me and I'm you. The only difference is that you're sitting on this side of the room and I'm over here in this chair alone yeah. talking to you about relapse prevention. That's yeah. the only difference. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I've sat where you are sitting. Right. Many times. And literally maybe in that facility. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, um, it's just a beautiful thing to do. I mean, you know, I look forward to it. That's awesome. So much. How long have you been doing it? I started working with them uh, at the end of September, so it's fairly new. Oh, it's new. Yeah. And, um, what I think is great about them is, I mean, a lot of things, but the fact that, you know, it is affordable, um, especially in California where there are so many that are, you know, over the top expensive. $50,000 for a month, you know. Yeah, $80,000 yeah. for yeah. a month. And, you know, and, but they have the light bells and whistles. They've got the acupuncture and the yoga, yoga and, and, and that yeah. stuff that, yeah. that the, you know, really pricey ones have, so... And they're good people. They're you know? good people. Um, the Bloom family uh, that own and operate uh, Pasadena Recovery Center, it was started by Dr. Bloom. Yeah. And he passed away almost just five years ago. And his children and his wife are carrying on the legacy of Pasadena Recovery Center. Yeah, I think family owned and operated. It, it's just a far cry from a lot of the other 
corporate. Places. Yeah. 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 And yeah. places that have popped up in the last five years oh, and, my and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, okay. So tell me about this event in January with you and Marianne Williamson and Don Miguel Ruiz. Don Miguel Ruiz, who wrote The Four Agreements and The Mastery of Love, and uh, Jean Houston. A lot of you might know who she is. Uh, and Marianne Williamson, we're, 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 I think Marianne Williamson is coming. So it's very exciting. It's a, an Expand Your Inner Wisdom workshop. Amazing. And, and it's uh, January 17th through the 20th in Sedona, Arizona. And you can go to SedonaWorldWisdom.com. To, um, I mean, we're having all kinds of really cool people. It's a, over a weekend. I want to go. I know. It's really going to be great. And I'm going to be speaking uh, on the Friday night on January 17th. And, you know, it's just kind of cool. And do you do a lot of speaking? I have done a fair amount mm-hmm. of speaking about recovery. And, you know, the journey from physical sobriety to actual recovery is a very yeah. interesting journey because you can put the plug in the jug and, and you're still, you know, I have this woman that, that, uh, she was 85 years old when I met her. She was sober 45 years. She'd known Bill W. Wow. She ran Alina Lodge in Blairstown, New Jersey. Her wow. name was Geraldine Delaney. And she said to me, yeah, you get a horse thief sober. What do you got? You got a sober horse thief. Right. We have these principles and these steps in order to create a new character. Yeah. And um, so the journey from from sobriety to recovery is fascinating to me. How do you build that new character? How do you have that psychic change? Right. You know, and so that's kind of a lot of the stuff that I talk about. Because when I'm connected to my higher power or God or whom, the universe, whatever anyone wants to call something that isn't them that's greater than them, my past right. has no power over me. Right, right. And so that's the kind of stuff that my message incorporates, you know. And so let's say people want to book you for these things. Is there a website? I know you're on Twitter. Um, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Facebook. Uh, mm-hmm. Mackenzie Phillips mm-hmm. is my fan page. Okay. And um, gosh, that's a good question. Uh, Twitter is a decent way to communicate. Twitter is a really, really good way. You really can go back and forth and get a lot of stuff done. I, gotta, I have to tell you a great story. I do. I had a 2005 S-Type Jag. Jaguar. Okay. Abandoned plot. Beautiful yeah. car. Well, it kept breaking down every three weeks, right? And I tweeted Jaguar USA, and yeah. I said, I think my car's a lemon. Don't even tell me. And it and qualified for the lemon law? It qualified for the California lemon law. Jag bought my car back from me, so I basically drove this car for free with a lot of stress and nightmares yeah. for five years. And now I'm driving a Kia Forte, and I couldn't be happier. <laughs> Wait, I had a sort of similar experience, which is to say that I bought a Fiat, which I drive now, I leased it. Mm-hmm. And within four days, it conked out. So I had oh. a legitimate reason to be upset. And I sort of was getting very upset and nobody cared. Then <laughs> I took to Twitter. Yeah. And all I can say is I ended up with the car in perfect condition, you know, perfectly running yeah. the next day and some like extended warranty that I didn't have to pay for. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Because I think the companies get freaked out by... Especially if they followers. see the amount of followers yeah. you have. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So yeah. my Twitter handle is at Mac Phillips, M-A-C-K Phillips. Right. Not, not M-A-C, M-A-C-K. M-A-C-K. Yeah. And you go by Mac. That's what your friends Everybody call calls you. me Mac. Yeah. God, if I'm out at the supermarket, because my first name is Laura, my middle name is Mackenzie, but right. 
it's so confusing to be Laura. So if I'm like at the supermarket or the car wash and I hear, Laura, oh, is yeah. that you? It's I'm somebody like, from a long time do ago. Do I dare turn around? <laughs> oh my God, did I sleep with you? Did I cheat you? Have I stolen your drugs? You right, know? <laughs> right. That's so funny. But and generally, it's something very pleasant and someone very nice. And if, it, if they say Mackenzie, it's someone who doesn't. It's a fan. And if they know? say Mac, it's someone who knows you. Knows me. Yeah. Nice to know. Yeah. Okay. Well, I cannot thank you enough for doing this. What a blast. I'm so glad you think so. I, I do had a think blast. so. I okay. really like talking to you. Okay. Fun, I'm fun, fun. So glad. Well, um, okay. You guys. Lucky you guys. Okay. 